going back into the new week um, that he might encourage us and be with us uh, as we live um, in this world. And I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I've been really blessed by this time uh, going through the sermon series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And really, I mean, the whole thing can be summarized as kingdom living, uh, really how to live in light of uh, this new kingdom that, that has arrived. Well, let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll get into the text. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, your instruction, O oh Lord. We thank you for your word that is so clear, uh, that gives us guidelines on how we ought to walk, O oh Lord. We do uh, praise you, O oh God, for this counsel. We do ask, O oh God, that we might uh, be receptive to your word, that we might not be hard-hearted, but that we might um, uh, seek ways to glorify you and to praise you, to walk in a manner uh, worthy of the calling we have received uh, this week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, well, uh, this evening we are going through um, Matthew chapter 7. Our passage is Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Let me read that for us uh, from the ESV. It reads, Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Well, in the text before us, saints, Jesus gives a very clear teaching on judging others and judgment in and of itself. And, and from it, we, we will learn the wrong way to judge. What is it that he's uh, targeting here as false judgmentalism? And also how the Christian ought to think about judging. And what is the correct way we ought to judge? Uh, is there a correct way we ought to judge? If so, what is it? Well, let's look at the, the first verse. Judge not that you may not be judged. Uh, well, this is a most commonly loved and quoted verse, uh, even amongst unbelievers. I'm sure um, who, who of us have heard this verse come from a non-Christian's mouth? Yeah? If I was to say who, who has heard it be twisted from a non-Christian's mouth, it would probably be the same, right? Um, D.A. Carson said in one of his commentaries, we live in an age where Matthew 7 verse 1, uh, do not judge lest you to be judged, has displaced John 3.16 as the only verse in the Bible that the man in the street is likely to know, right? Uh, everyone knows that. Well, doesn't the Bible say don't judge, right? And so, really, we, we live in an age where each and every person wants to be their own Lord, uh, their own judge. They want to decide what is right and wrong. They want to set those boundaries to say, it's fine if I do this, but it's not fine if people do that, right? And so, so what we have is many different laws, many different uh, judgments of what is right and what is wrong. A very common line today is, only God can judge, right? And to which our response should be, doesn't that terrify you? Right? The fact that there is a, there is a God that, that judges. Um, and I mean, what, what does Jesus mean here? And what does he not mean by saying, judge not, uh, that you may not be judged? 
Well, is he saying that we ought not to tell others that what they're doing is wrong? To judge or to pass judgment? The dictionary definition says to judge is to form an opinion or conclusion about something, right? To judge that something is correct or incorrect. To form an opinion or to make a conclusion, right? I mean, with that definition, we, we, can, we can admit we make thousands of judges, judgments uh, every day, right? What should you eat? Uh, should I wear white or blue? Should I go left or right? Should I take this route to work or that route to work? Should I use Uber or Bolt? Should I arrive at the evening service at half past five or 35 minutes past five, right? We're making many conclusions and forming many opinions, but, but this isn't the judgment that unbelievers are talking about when they say don't judge, right? What they're saying is, don't tell me that what I'm doing is wrong, right? Don't, don't form an opinion about my choices because as, as far as the world is concerned, that, that's for me to worry about. That, that's not for you to worry about. And so you would have heard the line, stay in your lane, you know, keep your thoughts to yourself. Uh, this is none of your business, right? Or today they, they say, you do you, you do you, right? Meaning, do what, do what you want to do, and I'll, I'll do what I want to do, right? Well, before we get to what Jesus is, is really saying in this verse, we know that he is not saying we should not form an opinion about other people's lives, um, which is unfortunately how the world interprets him. But, but how do we know this? Well, firstly, let's just consider the, the text that we're in, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, where, where throughout, Jesus has literally been making judgments on, on right fasting versus wrong fasting. Right prayer versus the prayer of a hypocrite, right? Jesus judged the person we saw two weeks ago that was storing up riches on earth. And last week, he, he said the person who is worrying, right, about clothes and food, right? He's, he's forming these judgments. And he even formed a judgment to say, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. These are all judgments that he's pronouncing, right? So you might be thinking, okay, well, this is Jesus. <laughs> He's allowed to judge, but, but you're not allowed to judge. Um, well, let's, let's just consider the abundance of verses that say otherwise, right? You shall know them by their fruit. And I think Pastor Michael was even saying this morning with, with uh, marrying a believer, right? We can't see someone's heart to, to be 100% sure they're a believer, but you can see their fruits, right? We're told to look externally, to, to see how someone is acting. Uh, Jesus said the good tree bears good fruit, and a bad tree bears bad fruit, right? 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12 says that those inside the church, you are to judge. And John 7, 24, and, and make a note of this, if, if someone says, you know, ah, oh, but the Bible says don't judge, right? Make a note, John 7, 24, Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees and he rebukes them. They're wanting to kill him because he's working on, on the Sabbath, right? He heals a man on the Sabbath. And so they, they're saying that you know, Jesus even has a demon. And what Jesus says to them is, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, right? Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment, meaning do your research and, and really according to the law, judge what is right, judge what is wrong. So, so we ought to use discernment to judge. We ought to judge correctly, right? Um, throughout the scriptures, it's not only that we are allowed to judge, but we are commanded to judge, to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And, and believers are, are rebuked at, at other points 
in the scriptures as being little children who, who don't know what's good and what's bad, who are unable to discern left from right. So, so there's a, there's a, a rebuking of, of those who cannot judge or discern rightly. Well, so I, I work in education and, and right now all the matrics are, they either just had their matric dance or the matric dance is, is coming up and so seeing a lot of fancy cars and like fancy outfits and all of that. But imagine, you know, your daughter was going to the matric dance and, you know, walking down the stairs like you see in all the movies and now the man comes to the door, her, her suitor, her, her person, and let's say he, he's drunk, you know, he's, 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 he's stammering towards the door, he can't even speak properly, his speech is slurred, and then he says he's gonna, you know, drive her to the metric dance. Are, are we saying that, you know, a liberal dad is gonna say, you know, son, who am I to judge? You know, you kids have fun, get her home at a, at a decent hour. Of course not, right? We make judgments. We do to say this is wrong, this is right. Okay. So I want us to imagine a circumstance and even to think in our own lives, right? Let's imagine you have a friend and think of a friend who, who is a Christian, okay? They, they quote the Bible, you know, Bible verses, and when you're with them, you guys are Christians, uh, they profess to be a believer. Now, let's say you don't see this person for a while. Now next you here, they are dating or pursuing an unbeliever, right? A person, let's say they're an atheist or, you know, they, they don't even claim to be Christian. What should you as a Christian do with, with this friend now who, who says, I'm Christian? For all intents and purposes, we believe they're Christian. And now they have, they've, they've gone, they're pursuing an unbeliever. Do we have an obligation as a Christian or a Christian duty to, to judge them? Should we bring this to their attention? I mean, this is just one scenario, and, and I want us each to, so, so I mean, that's just one, one sin, but you can fill in the blank, right? You might have a Christian colleague who's taking shortcuts at work, um, might be stealing money from the company, right? Or, or a fellow student who, who's access, accessing resources or downloading stuff illegally, right? Accessing uh, textbooks they shouldn't be, or going to, to sites they shouldn't be going to. Uh, or maybe, maybe it's a Christian friend who, who swears a lot, you know, or, or who uses coarse, sinful language, vulgar language. Whatever the, the case is, whatever the sin is, right, how should we, as a Christian, judge? How should we think of this? Um, well, there's a few courses of action. I mean, our, our passage today helps us greatly with this scenario. Uh, which, which I think is not only an imagined scenario, I'm sure every one of us here can think of a Christian friend that is in some, some sort of sin or other. Well, first, the, the modern world suggestion is keep quiet, stay in your lane, don't mention anything. That's his or her decision of how they want to live their life. Don't mention it. That's not, that's not your job. Just, you know. And then, I mean, if the believer's in the same church, that, that, that's simple, right? Um, the Lord Jesus Christ has, has given us uh, church discipline, right? The structure of church discipline for Christians who are covenanted together uh, to judge, right? To, to call out sin, uh, to address the sin in your brother that he is committing, um, and, and by the Lord's grace, you know, going to him one on one and rebuking him, and if he doesn't listen, taking two or three others um, with the hope of restoration. If he still doesn't listen, taking it to the church, right? And hopefully the brother will be restored. But now, what if the Christian's not in your church? Should we address the sin? Well, let's keep this question in mind as we consider 
our text as it continues. So let's look at verse 2. We're going to read from verse 2 through 5. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So, so we can see the text before us does not forbid judgment, right? In fact, it would be better labeled as a guide to correct judgment and a warning against a wrong judgmentalism. Well, let's start with the latter. Right? Let's start with the, this warning against how not to judge um, and the sinful form of judgment, which was Jesus is rebuking in this text. Um, and this is, I want us to see this is not merely an error that the Pharisees were making or an error that other people can make. But I really want us to consider that, that this is something that's really close to home. And I'm sure in some ways that each of us has been guilty of, of judging in this hypocritical or wrong manner, which is not, not pleasing to God. Well, well that, that is it. The, the judgment Jesus is talking about here that is wrong is a hypocritical form of judgment. A hypocritical, quick to see the fault in your brother, but not considering the error in oneself. All right, so, so verse 2 says, With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, you, you may know the old adage that, that whenever you're pointing a finger at someone, there's how many fingers pointing back at you? Three fingers pointing back at you, right? Um, well, well there's, there's some truth here in that Jesus is saying a similar thing, that with the judgment we pass, we must realize that there will be a final judgment where all things will be laid bare and each and every thought, deed, and attitude will be exposed. And now if we're going around holding everyone to such a, a harsh and, and high standard, we told in this verse that the same standard will be used to judge us. You may remember the unforgiving servant, right, who, who was himself forgiven a large sum of money, and then he, he went on to choke his, his debtor, who owed him a smaller sum of money. And when his creditor saw this, although he had initially showed him mercy, he, he changed the verdict into a punishment, right, to match the, the unforgiving servant's harsh judgment of his debtor. The sinful attitude, verse 2 of the text, shines light upon is the phenomenon that we're prone to be harsh with others when we're looking at other people's sin, to be, to be very pedantic, and when we look at ourselves to, to, to let grace abound, right? We as fallen creatures are, are famously bad at seeing our own sin. An example of this is, is when you're driving and you see someone else on their phone, right? You think, the sinner, man. Doesn't he know what he's doing? That, you know, there could be children walking across the street. You know, he could cause an accident. Like, this is, this is terrible. He's on his phone. And then, you know, you might get a text or you, you might think, oh, let me quickly connect my phone to Bluetooth or whatever the case is, right? And, and we, we, we're so quick to say, oh, you know, but, but this is just this one time or let me just make an excuse for this. Right? It's so plain. With, with the person next to you, it's terrible. But with yourself, we make an excuse. That's just, that's just, a, it's just a small example. But, but this is so often the case. And we must be warned that, that with the judgment we're pronouncing, we will be judged. The, this thought continues in verse 3 where it says, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, 
when there is the log in your own eye. So, so notice the language here, we're referring to brothers, right? Looking at verse three and four. The speck that's in your brother's eye, right? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? The, the context of these verses is, is that Jesus is referring to calling out sin in other believers. And in these verses, I mean, Jesus is using humor and hyperbole here, right, to say that there's a, there's a speck in your brother's eye, and you're like, you, you sit, talk, there's, there's something in your eye, and it's like a small speck, and there's a plank or a log in your own eye, right? It's, it's hyperbole. And, and it's a comical picture, but, but it's this hypocritical judgmentalism that we ought to avoid. And think about your own relationship now. Think about your spouse or your partner or your brother, or sister, or friend, or roommate, or parent, or child, whoever it is really who you run into the most conflict with, or have the most tiffs or, or fights with. Now think of the last disagreement you had, and can you remember how big their offense seemed in your mind, and how when you looked at yourself at first, you, you thought, oh, but I'm fine, you know? Of course, the bro your, your brother or your, your <laughs> spouse is feeling the same way, right? They're seeing your sin as, as, as being blown up and their own as not. And, and this, this mind, mindset, I think it's worsened by this, the spirit of our age, right? Where it paints you as the victim, as being targeted. And, and there's this, this hypersensitivity, I think, that, that exists where, where you'll find yourself taking such great offense at even the smallest speck. If someone wrongs you just slightly, if they say something that you don't like, you tend to blow it out of proportion, right? Make it headline news so that everyone knows what, what this person did. And you, especially them, to know that how great this thing is that they did. And this extreme sensitivity, it's, it's really unbiblical. In fact, Proverbs 19.11 says, um, good sense makes one slow to anger. It is his glory to overlook the offense. Right, it's to your glory, if you wronged in this small manner, to overlook it, to, to let love uh, extend, right, and to let love cover a multitude of sins. But this hypersensitivity says, no, I have been wronged, justice must be served, therefore I need to, I need to make this a whole thing. Well, if this is you, a helpful antidote uh, to an overinflated ego, apart from spending time in the scriptures, is if you've heard of the book, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness by, by Tim Keller, uh, do give it a read. Uh, it's really, really helpful to just, just target this, this hypersensitivity and this big ego um, that other people, you know, everything they say is offensive to you. Well, a, a lack of in introspection leads to harsh words. It leads, I mean, the Proverbs call harsh words like thrusts of a sword, right? And oftentimes when we, when we are, are judged, or, or when we're judging others, it's these harsh words that we try to slash and hurt someone. This is displeasing to God. It leads to rivalries, fits of anger, and overall disunity in the body of Christ. A, a wise marriage counselor, I, I was watching a video where, where he was saying, you know, he, he'll, th this couple, this married couple will be coming into his office and, you know, he, 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 he listens to them. The wife is just saying, my husband does this and my husband doesn't do this. And the husband is saying the same thing. Oh, you haven't seen my wife, you know, no wife. And so he listens to them and then he says, all right, great. Tell me the whole thing again, but only mention your sin, right? Rephrase the whole thing, 
but, but try to say, what did you do wrong? What could have you done better? And it's, it's a game changer, right? Because now we're looking introspectively, not, not, not ignoring the plank to look at the speck, but rather identifying the plank. And this leads to an entirely different conversation, right? And although it's easier said than done, we ought to practice this, this form of conversation. And um, when we are in this, this, this heated conversation and we're being judged or, or we're judging in that sense, we need to think, what, where is my guilt, right? Um, and I mean, confessing this up front before mentioning the other person's sin this, this is a great way of even helping them to, to also look introspectively um, and it'll lead to a much better conversation. A harsh word stirs up anger, but a gentle answer turns away wrath. J just a gentle answer saying, you know, I'm sorry, forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. Or, or let us refrain from holding everyone to such a harsh standard except for ourselves. And this, this is the wrong judgmentalism uh, that Jesus is referring to. This is how we ought not to judge. And then verse five, it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye so that, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In this verse, we instructed on how we ought to call out sin, how we ought to form a judgment or to form an opinion or conclusion about another. We're told to judge. It's a positive thing, right? It's saying, the, the brother has a speck in his eye, and we're helping him to remove it. And so, so three things that if we can learn to, to judge correctly, if we apply it, I believe it will really strengthen the body of Christ. First, the first thing from this, this verse, to reflect before you correct. If you're making notes, reflect before you correct. Correct judgment is not hypocritical, and this is what we were just discussing. But stating it in the positive, when you see a brother in sin, or you see a spouse or, or partner that, that did something wrong, your first step before even going to the brother and telling them their sin is to reflect. This is what Jesus is saying there. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly. And, and I mean, if, if we look at church discipline and, and step one being, you know, take your brother aside, this could be step zero, a, a pre-step, right? It, it, the pre-work you need to do in ensuring you're not guilty before God uh, in the same offense or in another offense, that there's no unconfessed sin that you haven't dealt with before pointing out sin in your brother. Uh, and not only this, but, but it'll help you to see clearly. It'll help you to address the sin. You'll be able to recognize the deceitfulness of the sin, right? If you've reflected before going to your brother, you'll be going in a different manner. You'll be going there, you know, have the, being someone who's battled with the same sin or being someone who's, who's battling with sin. And, and as you're addressing it with them, it's no longer you versus me, but it's, it's us as believers, as, com as a sense of camaraderie, as soldiers fighting against the same enemy that is sin. There'll be a much better level of understanding. A and a hypocritical calling out of sin is the opposite, right? A hypocritical calling out of sin can leave the, the, the believer feeling that you know, he's the only one struggling against the sin. If you're going and calling out your brother, how can you do this? You know, like this is disgusting. It can be a very lonely feeling because that, that believer is now thinking, am I the only one who did this? You know, and, and it might even make him more averse to, to sharing and to confessing his sin in the future. 
Well, well, let us practice reflecting before we correct. Let us practice the intrinsic work of saying, what, what, what have I contributed to this, right? Or, or have I been guilty of a similar thing? So, so that's one, reflect before you correct. Uh, first, take the log out of your own eye. And, and number two, how can we judge rightly? Correction takes care. Correction is, is caring and it should be gentle, it should be delicate. To, to remove a speck from your brother's eye, it, it's, it's a delicate work. It, it, needs, it needs tweezers, right? You don't just, just grab the speck out of someone's eye. If someone has a, a splinter in their eye, you're going to be very careful, right? The image of removing this piece of dust is, is showing you know, how, how this pre-work involves doing your research and doing data gathering and ensuring that you've assessed the situation rightly, right? You're not making a false accusation, but it's a correct judgment, ensuring that you, you're calling sin, sin, right? You're not calling uh, man's inventions and you're not saying this is wrong because you know, this isn't how I do it. You're ensuring that you're approaching your brother or sister in a gentle manner with great ta tact, right? Not just going and saying like, ah, this is wrong, you know, but rather thinking how can, I, how can I bring this up with the sister or the brother in a way that's going to be beneficial, gentle, that they're gonna receive it well. And I mean, a, a, an example of this is with Nathan, right? The prophet Nathan going to David when he was in sin. He concocted a whole parable <laughs> before going to, to David saying there's this neighbor, the neighbor has a lamb, this whole parable, and eventually, you know, he's saying, is, is this man right? And David's saying, no, this man's wrong. And he's saying, but, but you are the man, right? And so he, he goes through this whole process because he knows if he'd just gone to David and be like, this is wrong, he might not have received it, right? And so there's this tact and this great care, this careful, you know, taking out of the splinter. The correction should be caring, right? We ought to be gentle and compassionate in a way that we are passing judgment. And three, right, so one, reflect before you correct. Two, correction takes care. And three, correction with the aim of love. Our intention when we take the speck out of our brother's eye is, is really important, right? Correction, you know, it might be deemed as unloving, right? Church discipline or, or judgment could be so unloving, but, but it's the opposite, right? Correction is, is, is loving. To, to correct a brother and to remove the speck from his eye is an act of love. This, this splinter, this sin, this small thing in, the, in the, this fault, it could be, it, it will be hindering their Christian walk, right? And not only that, it's stealing glory from God uh, in that believer's life. And so as we're calling out sin, our heart should be that this sin is displeasing to God and I'm going to address this sin for the sake of the Lord's glory and honor and therefore I'm going to address this, right? And the Lord says that it's to the person I love I reprove and discipline. And if our brother is born again, he, he will be appreciative, right? It might not be immediately, but, but if he did it in a gentle way, ultimately as Christians, we ought to be grateful, right? To receive correction, to receive judgment when someone says, this is wrong. And we ought to be, be grateful to say, this is, this is removing a sin from me, a fault from me, that's gonna help me to glorify God more. And thus we, we see from this text that passing judgment on a fault in our brother is, is not only allowed, it is a duty of a Christian. And so like, think back to the person I mentioned at the beginning, right? Your friend that's in some sin, whether it's being unequally yoked with the believer or, or stealing time or money from the company or, or not, not bridling their, their tongue from lies and coarse language. 
It is our duty to pass judgment and call out sin, but this ought to be done in a manner that is not hypocritical, in a manner that is with much reflection, in a gentle, delicate way, and with the intention of love and restoration to the gospel path. And finally, we get to the, the last verse of our text. Verse 6, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You might be thinking, we were talking about brothers. How did we get to dogs and pigs? Well, well this, this verse might seem somewhat out of place, but it's not if we're really understanding the flow of this text as it's been unpacked here. It's a natural answer to the question one might ask. Well, well what about passing judgment on unbelievers, right? The language of dogs and pigs it's often used in biblical language to, to refer to Gentiles, the outsiders, right? Those who are ceremonially unclean as these animals were. And, and here Jesus is referring to those people who do not receive or welcome instruction or correction because they are of the world, right? So, so, so what this verse is saying is that if we were to apply the same instruction to unbelievers as we've just discussed to believers, it will backfire, right? It's like throwing pearls before pigs, it's only the believer who, who listens to wise counsel and, and turns in repentance. And, and so to harp on about an unbeliever's particular sin and expect remorse or conviction of sin, well, really, it, it, would, be ex it, would, to, it would be likewise expecting water to be drawn from a rock, right? W which, which really, without God's intervention, is impossible. We know God did that, right? But, but that, that doesn't just this happen. And so, of course, in evangelism, we address sin. We're not saying we don't address sin in unbelievers. We address sin. We tell the whole world that, that you need to repent, right? It's commanded that all men everywhere repent. And that's with the hope and prayer that God will make our hearer born again and ready to receive this word, this judgment. But if they don't, we ought to remember Jesus' words, right? When he sent out his disciples, he said, go to each house. And if they don't, if they don't receive you, if this town doesn't receive you, what must you do? Dust off your sandals and move to the next town, right? So verse 6 really, I mean, it's explained in more detail in 1 Corinthians 5. And I would like us to turn there, 1 Corinthians 5, uh, from verse 9 to 13. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual morality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, purge the evil person from among you. So we see here, believers, our duty is clear that inside the church, among brothers, we are to judge. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We ought to make a practice of judging with right judgment, uh, calling out error in a way that is aligned with our Lord's teachings in this manner to preserve the unity of peace within the body. 
And with regard to the unbeliever, Paul rightly states, God judges those outside. And thus, if there are any who are hearing this message or maybe listening to the recording on YouTube, who, who you're a believer, but you're not in a local church body, you're not gathering with the saints, you're not receiving this correction on a weekly basis, this, is, this, is, this should scare you. This should be a warning to say, you know, if you're not, if you're not seeing the plank in your own eye, then, then it might be festering, right? And so we need, to, we need to be amongst believers so that we can be judged, so that we can be corrected. And to the person who hears this, if you haven't yet bowed the knee to, to Christ, you are still subject to the judgment of God. It is God that, that judges those who are outside the church. He, and, and this is the judge, the true judge, who sees everything and who will expose every deed and thought that you've ever had. And the, the punishment for the judgment is eternal torment. And so I plead with you, if you haven't bowed the knee, to submit your will to his and, and to turn in repentance, trusting in the finished uh, work of, of Jesus Christ on the cross, who, who paid for, for all of the sins of all of those who, who will turn to him. He was judged on our account so that we might be made uh, uh, redeemed and, and given peace with God. And, and for the believer, for the saint, application is to surround ourselves with those who will be delicate, brothers and sisters who will be gentle in calling out sin, not to ignore it, to say, you know, who am I to, to, to tell this person or that person that they're in sin, but someone who's going to correct you, someone who's going to have a hard conversation with you, and to do that with others as well. And, and application is to, to remove, constantly examine yourself to remove any plank in your own eye so that you can be uh, fit, able, and, and to be spiritual to help others who are also uh, in unrepentant sin. Well, let's not judge hypocritically, but let's judge in a manner that is uh, pleasing to Christ. Let, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we um, are grateful for your word and your instruction, and we do ask, O oh God, that in, in light of it, Heavenly Father, we might uh, be bold and be brave um, to call out sin, O oh Lord, to um, correct our brother uh, with boldness, Lord, knowing that um, you commanded us to and that it is in line with uh, your kingdom living, O oh Lord. Um, as we are uh, judged by others, O oh Lord, as we are told uh, that what we're doing is wrong, may we be uh, receptive to this, O oh Lord. May we uh, constantly examine ourselves to see, even for the hidden sins, O oh Lord, that you might uh, correct us and be gracious to, to help us to live in a manner uh, worthy of the calling we've received. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I think we're going to sing one more hymn. I think that hymn is All Praise to Him. So if you're able to, won't you stand with me and let us sing all praise to him.